Zara, I am so excited to talk about today's sponsor. It's the new film, Challenges. It's from the director of Call Me By Your Name, Luca Guadagnino, and stars and is produced by none other than our girl Zendaya. Yeah, you know I love her. You love her too. I love her so much. Zendaya plays Tashi Duncan, a former tennis prodigy turned coach who is married to a Grand Slam champion, currently on a losing streak. And if that's not bad enough, Tashi's strategy to help her husband break his curse sort of takes a surprising and awkward turn. Hmm, awkward indeed. Because now he must face off against his former best friend and Tashi's ex-boyfriend, Patrick. Zara, the tensions are running high. I know. Tashi's someone who makes no apologies for her game on and off the court. It's her game, her rules, but with her past and present colliding, Tashi must face reality and ask herself, what will it cost to win? Challenges is the sexy drama that everyone's talking about and it's definitely not one you want to miss. It's about passion, friendship and what happens when your past comes back to challenge you. You can grab a ticket from Tuesday the 26th. So grab your friends and get excited. I will be grabbing you and we are definitely going to be going to watch it. Oh, please. Thank you so much to Challenges for making this episode of Shameless possible. Welcome to Shameless, the pop culture podcast for smart people who love dumb stuff. You're joined as always by Melbourne writers, Michelle Andrews, that would be me, and Zara McDonald, that would be you. Hello, hello. And of course, to my right, it is Nana Botley. <laughs> hello. Nana Botley. Hello, guys. Coming up on today's show, what is going on with the reports suggesting Prince Frederick has cheated on Australia's Princess Mary? <laughs> Zara's crying over Choking there. Choking up. Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey are giving us big rom-com energy and we cannot get enough. There's widespread mourning for Harry Styles' curls. Mean Girls 2.0 is just around the corner and Kim Kardashian's hairdresser has filed for divorce literally days after his televised wedding was watched by millions, including yours truly. Wow, what's going on? So much going on. (laughs) But first, Zara McDonald, how was your week? A pretty good week. Guys, I actually fully lost my voice last week. Well, I feel kind of bad because on last week's episode, I was like croaky and being like, I'm, I'm a little run down. And then literally two days later, Zara was so run down, she <laughs> couldn't speak. I literally couldn't speak. So all weekend, I basically had to lock myself in my apartment and not speak to anybody. What I had to do then is I was like, I need a TV show. I need something that I can just sit in front of and actually binge because I, I, I'm i not allowed to speak to anyone. And I found this television show. And I, I when I say I found, I don't want to pretend this is like a particularly niche <laughs> or like new age thing, but I found this television show that I fell in love with. And Annabelle, I think you will fall in love with it too. Oh. Miss, you may, but I, I did think this of is Annabelle. Giving, it's giving um, not an affair story, the <laughs> fact that she didn't turn to me and say, you'll you know, love it, Mish. So it's called Starstruck. It's on. I've watched I've it. recommended this show before on the newsletter, I guys. Knew. I was I about to say, I'm like, show. this sounds 
sounds extraordinarily familiar. <laughs> I knew you would love it because you oh, already have. Yes. So it's on the BBC, but I watched it on binge. And it's about a young woman in her late 20s who kind of sleeps with this guy one night. And it turns out he's like a massive movie star. Yeah. And it's like about their relationship, them trying to work it out. It's funny. Yeah. I was like, I haven't laughed at a TV show in a while. They are 25, 30 minute episodes. So they were, I just smashed through them really, really fast. I wasn't expecting to love it as much as I did. I think it's because the show is created by the main character who yeah. is a comedian. Yeah. So it's that kind of energy. I'm pretty sure the reason I find this familiar is because when I was in London, there were posters about season three everywhere. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So I watched season one and a half of season two. The main character is Kiwi. So I yep. thought, not that it's not Australian, but I'll, I'll take anything we'll I take can it. get. <laughs> Guys, I really adored it. If you need something light and fluffy and if you just want to smash through something, I found it really easy and wonderful and funny. Oh my God, obsessed with that. So I love that. The second thing I quickly want to recommend is an episode of The Daily, actually. It is called What Adidas Knew About Kanye. Michelle Andrews, you will like this one. Yeah, I was about to say, it sounds like a, my cup of tea. Yeah. So as we all know, the business relationship between Kanye West and Adidas completely capitulated when Kanye West was saying and doing publicly incredibly problematic things. And at the time we had a conversation on the show about Adidas. We spoke about they hadn't released a public statement very quickly. I or as quickly as the public wanted them yeah, to. Yeah. And I remember actually on the show saying, you know, guys, like this is like a, a billion dollar contract. I am not surprised it's taking them time to kind of work out what to say publicly. Like there's a lot on the line here. I imagine there are a lot of legalities around it. I want to walk that back yeah. because after I listened to this episode with Megan Tui, who did this amazing, incredibly in-depth investigation into the business relationship between Kanye West and Adidas, they had years to prepare for this. Oh, shit. Years and years and years and years. I love it when we come to the show and have a little oopsie? Well, I, well, I think we have an oopsie every week. <laughs> uh, they had a really long time. And I think it's fascinating to see how they got deeper and deeper into this business marriage is what they were calling it, how it became more complicated with time. So how many red flags there were saying maybe go back, From don't go deeper? the moment Ooh, shit. they signed. Oh, I will love listening to you, this. Yeah, it's fascinating. How are you? How is your week? What are you recommending? I had a good week. Mitch and I found ourselves on Friday night with nothing to do. So we were scrolling through Netflix and Take Care of Maya had popped up for us so many times and we had always just scrolled past it. Truthfully, I thought it would be like a murder mystery story. And having like a young girl's face shown in the photo just made me feel like a bit eerie and I, I didn't want to dive into that kind of content. It was actually that we scrolled past it one more time and then I was also flicking through my phone and I was on the cut and I saw the top story on the cut was about this very documentary. And I clicked in and I had a quick scroll and I thought, no, this is absolutely the kind of story I want to dive into and really get to know. If you guys aren't familiar with Take Care of Maya, it is it is a harrowing story. I wouldn't call it true crime, though. It's a documentary that follows a young family, particularly their daughter, Maya, who has a very mysterious illness and ends up in hospital. And her parents end up being accused of child abuse and they end up being taken away from Maya and she becomes a child of the state. Unfortunately, what then happens from there is this family is torn to shreds by the system. I found this documentary fascinating. 
I found the outcome of the court case, which just went through last week, fascinating as well. This family was given over $200 million in damages. That finding is going to be appealed by the hospital. But it's a big story right now. This documentary is unlike any other documentary I've ever seen in my life. I will say it's a story with a lot of nuance. I know we're talking about alleged child abuse and how the system deals with child abuse. Is it Munchausen's by proxy as well? Is that brought up? It is. That is what the hospital believed was going on when it came to Maya and her mother, Beata. So it's just one of those topics that is incredibly murky. And they do talk about that in this documentary. It's about an hour and a half. Mitch and I were gripped from start to end. I just think if it's the kind of thing that you are intrigued about as I'm talking about it, you'll really find this documentary fascinating. Yeah, this has been all over my TikTok. I actually did read that cut piece as well. Mm. So I feel like this is the kind of story that almost embarrassingly only hit my radar in the last week or so, but clearly was a huge story in the US for years before this. Yeah, this has been going on for such a long time, but it wasn't until the court case actually happened finally after this family had been trying for like six years to push it through the courts that I took any interest in it and I'm really glad I did. Have you watched this, Annabelle? No, it seems way too dark for me. Okay. What I want to watch right now. Stick to Starstruck. Stick to Starstruck. (laughs) Guys, a very quick announcement before we get into the show as well. Our gift guide is back. It is live today. If you are a new listener of Shameless, then you will not know that every year we do a gift guide for you guys collating some of, you know, the best gifts that we think are on the internet. A hundred percent. The 20 2023 Shameless Holiday Gift Guide has also been made possible by a bunch of really wonderful partners. So a massive thank you to the likes of Majuri, Kiki K, Frank Green, Gigi and Tom and T2T. Some of my favorite brands anyway that I already do my festive shopping with. So thank you to those brands for getting behind the gift guide. We will put a link to shop the gift guide in our show notes. It will be all over our socials. It'll be in our newsletter. I bloody love this thing. Every year, I think this is our fourth year doing it. And our listeners love it so much. Our community love it. They always ask for it. So I'm so glad it's back. Annabelle, Michelle, are you in need of any intro (laughs) today? Always. Always. (laughs) You don't look confident. I'm not feeling confident. (laughs) But I thought I've kind of been tipping and towing around this for the last nine minutes. Do I try this on? (laughs) I'm going to try it on because I stumbled on this yesterday I couldn't work out if it was show worthy, right? I couldn't okay. work it out. And I told my partner, Ollie, over dinner, and he really pumped this up. He was like, this is amazing. <laughs> he, In fact, he said, that's simply not true. <laughs> oh, so okay. I was like, oh. So it, you're oscillating between zero confidence and maximum confidence. Yeah, yeah. But I think it's the subject of the story where I'm not sure you guys will care. Talk to me about Brian Cranston. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Malcolm in the Middle. Totally. Breaking Bad. I give so many shits about Brian Cranston. Good stuff. So do I. So do I. Did you know that in the 1970s he was a murder suspect? I did, actually. I'm uh, so sorry. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. I didn't See, my me. problem is I've given so many shits about Brian Cranston. <laughs> I did that thing watching Breaking Bad where I went deep on his Wikipedia. This is the oh. other thing that worried me is people would know this, but I did it and Ollie didn't and Annabelle Well, didn't. Annabelle doesn't. Tell Annabelle. And some listeners won't. Yes, that's fair. Let's get the poll out tomorrow. <laughs> 
<laughs> might be really humbled. Now, in the 1970s, he was actually driving around with his brother, like picking up odd jobs in random cities. And one of those odd jobs that he picked up was at a restaurant in Daytona Beach. I don't know where that is, but it just felt like a fact worth telling. And he admitted at the time that he hated his boss, this chef called Peter. He hated Peter so much. Everyone in the restaurant fucking hated Peter. And they hated Peter so much that they would often like joke about what they would do to kill him. Were they, oh they were like... They were, like, plotting his demise. I remember yes. this part of the story. They'd all sit around and it was like a pastime that they'd figure out how to get Peter. Peter. Yeah, like how, how they would kill him. And unfortunately, Peter ended up being murdered. Oh, no. Yes. So when the police came knocking, they were obviously like, well, we've heard that, you know, you guys have been talking about killing Peter. And they were like, yeah, we have. And they were sort of, the police then asked more questions and realised that Brian and his brother, who also used to talk about killing Peter, had actually left the state. Oh, They'd dear. gone to pick up another odd job. So then there was like all this, they were trying to be tracked down. They were suspects for a short amount of time. I'm sure he's put like slight bits of mayo on this story. Obviously he didn't do it. The case is a bit darker than that, which <laughs> we're not going to be going to the true crime of, of Peter's death. But yes, that was an actual thing. You oh know what goodness. this reminds me of? If my group chats ever got no, linked don't. to a court, oh, the things yeah. I could be, not that I'm plotting anyone's murder, but I've like gone to places in group chats when I'm feeling particularly emotional that I would not like to be shown in like a court of law. Well, now I'm curious about what's on your phone. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I saw, it might have been Michelle Battersby who posted this on TikTok recently where it was like a, would you rather have your notes app on your phone leaked or your girls group chat? And I was like, take my notes up. <laughs> take. I would take my, I would say girls chat. Oh, what's in your notes? All of my passwords, everything oh. or every thought. Sometimes when I like my ideas, then they're <laughs> worth a lot, those ideas. <laughs> sometimes, so money, <laughs> sometimes if I have like a really deep emotional trauma, I work through it in my notes Easily. app. Yeah. So text messages that I'm drafting, I always still, in my notes app. Too. So I embarrassing. I still think though, it's got to be notes up over group messages. I, I would flee the country <laughs> if my group messages were leaked. Yeah, no, start. Uh, of any of my messages for late. Zara and I would be Brian Krentz and his brother <laughs> getting in a car driving into state. We would actually have to change our names. Anyway, I don't know how we got here. Shall we get into one of the biggest stories of the century? Oh my Prince God. Frederick, Princess Mary and affair allegations. How are you feeling first of all? Because if there's any marriage that Zara McDonald is invested in, any marriage in the celebrity realm that she gives too many fucks about, it's been Princess Mary and Prince Frederick. I care so much. I've always cared about these two. Anyone who's listened to our scandal episode on Princess Mary and Prince <laughs> Frederick will know two things. Firstly, that I had to convince Michelle for like over a year to get that episode off the ground. And I'm still not convinced and we did it. <laughs> and secondly, there is no scandal. We did a scandal episode on a couple where there was no scandal. That's why I wanted to do it. I sold Michelle on the fairy tale. I the said, love let, story. let me tell a love story. And the love story is, of course, that these two met at the Sydney Olympics in 2000 at the Slip Inn. I was actually in Sydney recently and I went past the Slip Inn and I pointed it out to anyone who was with me. <laughs> it's in Surrey Hills, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, everyone's like, we just simply don't care enough about this. <laughs> and then they got married in 2004. She moved from Tasmania, Princess Mary, because she's Australian, to Denmark to become the princess. It was wild. And now there are allegations that he might be cheating. And you asked me how I'm doing. And I'm 
Not well. Well, I was quite shocked. Well, the thing about our scandal but then series. Was I not really? <laughs> the one scandalous element I remember from that scandal series is the reports, the tabloid reports, that before Frederick met Mary, he, he was, was a, a bit of a playboy. So and we right. were on this episode being like, she converted him. Like he was this like <laughs> she knockabout <saved> guy. <laughs> and then she came along and he fell so deeply in love. He's not a playboy anymore. And now this story has made me realise we are oh such big fools. Yeah. Well, yes, if what we're reading is true. And let me tell you, there's quite a lot here. Shall we actually give the listeners the context? Because Please. if you've seen Prince Frederick's name around, if you've seen Princess Mary's name around this week, it's because a story was originally published in a Spanish tabloid called Lecturus. Look, my Spanish is not going to be very good. No. But they basically published a headline that read, according to our translation, Exclusiva. <laughs> Which <laughs> I love. I think we should make exclusive. Exclusiva. Exclusiva. Genevieve Casanova and Frederick from Denmark together in Madrid, the photos that everyone's talking about. Mm. Now, these photos, supposedly taken, supposedly snapped at the end of October when Prince Frederick visited Spain on a private visit, showed him hanging out with a Mexican socialite named Genevieve Casanova. Importantly, on this day, Princess Mary was far, far away in the land of New York for the United Nations Day. So you might be wondering, who is Genevieve Casanova? Well, she is a socialite. She's 47 years old. She has appeared on several TV shows in Spain, including The Masked Singer, Spanish Celebrity Masterchef, and The Chase. She has tens of thousands of followers on Instagram. It's a real trio of reality (laughs) TV, isn't it? Now, from 2005 to 2008, she was actually married to this Spanish author who was the son of the late Duchess of Alba, one of Europe's richest aristocrats. So she's... I'm always interested when people call someone a socialite. I'm like, who's defining this? It's sort of like when someone calls someone a supermodel. It's Mm. like, who has decided this? I do think if you were married to the son of one of Europe's richest aristocrats, maybe that makes you a socialite if you've then gone on to reality TV. Yeah, if you're getting the call up for Spanish celebrity MasterChef, you're a public figure at the very least. Absolutely. Now, the thing about this story is that it's all in Spanish, right? Every single word. (laughs) And yes, some of the English-speaking publications have translated it, but Michelle, we're like proper journalists and we were like, we can't just trust what everybody else's translations are. We need to The listeners expect something from us. They expect a level of investigation and we want to give them that level of investigation. So we did two things. We went to chat GBT <laughs> and we went to Ashley. We went to shameless listener <laughs> Ashley, who is fluent in Spanish and approved the following translation of one of the biggest Spanish newspapers reporting. All right, shall I read it for us? Please. Genevieve and Frederick of Denmark together read the headline on Tuesday from the magazine Lecturus. The future king visited her in Madrid and stayed in her apartment, claims the publication. The encounter took place on Wednesday, October 25. Frederick of Denmark, the heir to the Danish throne, and Genevieve Casanova visited the Picasso exhibition at the National Museum. Afterwards, they took a stroll and had dinner at a well-known restaurant in the capital that offers flamenco shows. Once in 
Inside, they were accommodated in a private room hidden behind a discreet curtain, mm. guarded the entire time by a waiter. Afterwards, at one in the morning, Frederick and Drenaviva left the venue and headed to the socialite's apartment in Madrid. At 8.30 in the morning the next day, Frederick left Casanova's residence with a suitcase and took oh. a taxi to the airport. While all this was happening in the Spanish capital, Mary Donaldson, the prince's wife, was on an official trip in the United States. Wow, first of all, like, wow, when we got this translation approved by shameless listener Ashley, we were a little flawed. But also I think one thing I want the listeners to know is that obviously this report is littered with photos of Prince Frederick and Genevieve Casanova together. And the photos tell a very interesting story in themselves. First of all, they're wearing multiple different outfits while they're hanging out together. They're hanging out over the period of like hours and hours and hours, like at least a full day. But also they're going into her apartment at different times. They're not walking in together. They're not walking out together. Prince Frederick will follow her in or whatever, like an hour or half an hour or 15 minutes after she goes in. So the photographer is getting shots of them separately at the same apartment, like out the front, and then shots of them together wandering the streets of Madrid. And naturally, my mind wonders, if you don't have anything to hide, why are you doing the old, you go in first, I'll hang back here? Like, mm. what are you trying to conceal mm. exactly? <laughs> A good question, Michelle. <laughs> For what it's worth, we should add here, Genevieve has strongly denied these reports. She gave a statement to a local magazine, Holla, that translates to, I strongly deny the claims that suggest a romantic relationship between Prince Frederick and me. Any assertion of this kind not only completely lacks truth, but also distorts the facts maliciously. This is already in the hands of my lawyers who will handle the necessary procedures to protect my right to honour, truth and privacy. I've got to say, we actually didn't get that ticked off by Ashley. So <laughs> <laughs> or minus 15%. <laughs> now, according to People magazine, this outing between Frederick and Genevieve reportedly came about because a mutual friend <laughs> who was originally set to accompany Prince Fred around Madrid got sick. And so he asked Genevieve who, as you guys should know, is an expert in Picasso art, therefore had to be with him. Yeah, I loved that little sort of Hail Mary at the 11th hour by a source speaking to People magazine. I'm not having an affair. I just needed an expert in Picasso (laughs) with me. And my friend was sickly. (laughs) Now, to make matters even more dramatic, Genevieve then took to Instagram where she published what was essentially an open letter to the tabloid to her then 65,000 followers. She demanded that they nullify, rectify and or deny their report. That obviously made people clue on to her social media activity. It also drew people to her Instagram account. (laughs) Including me. (laughs) Yeah. Well, this is the thing. I'd never stumbled on her Instagram account. I stumbled on it in the course of all of this. Because usually what happens, I should say, is when these reports come out, Make your Instagram private, go to ground. Yeah. No, she didn't do that. deactivate. Because when people started stalking her, and by the way, you could because her profile was still in public, they realised that she had also been to Copenhagen where Prince Frederick lives in early October. Just just a few short weeks ago, she was in Copenhagen. Which, you know, it might have been an innocent trip to Copenhagen. This could be so innocent. (laughs) Just two innocent people loving Picasso, (laughs) Copenhagen and Madrid. Yeah. So there was that. Now, you might be thinking, okay, well, what have the royal family done? Right. What have they said, Mish? They have said next to nothing. Here is their official statement. 
We have maintained a policy for years of not commenting on or confirming any details related to private matters. Additionally, we would like to emphasise our commitment to respecting the privacy of members of the royal family, including the Crown Prince. I would say, oh, what an interesting statement, but it's not really it's the not. royal family as a blanket rule, and it's not just the Danish royal family, it's most royal families around the world. Blanket rule, we don't fight dirty. Yeah. We don't go down to the level of tabloids. We pretend they don't exist. As soon as we pretend one report is legitimate and deny it, we then have to deny every tabloid report that comes out. Therefore, we ignore them all as a blanket rule. Yeah, the British family have their never complain, never explain. Yeah. Like That's like a core pillar of who they who they are as an institution. Now, as for Princess Mary, well, just days after the news broke, she actually made a public appearance with Frederick. They were hosting the King and Queen of Spain. She, I would say, showed her support with a subtle message. She wore a little necklace with her husband's initial F. Mm. Well, well, you tell me. You're the expert in these two. I am. I wouldn't mind betting that that's Princess Mary doing this to get eyes off her temporarily. Yes. I don't know how this I don't know how this story couldn't be sus. Like how could you be the wife in this scenario unless you have an arrangement with your husband? I, part which, of me is like perhaps an Perhaps an arrangement. I don't want to be super pedestrian and act no. like everyone's monogamous. No. I mean, I don't know. I just think I just think these two are still happy because they've got an arrangement <laughs> and they do their own thing. One thing people have raised is if he was having an affair, would he be wandering the streets? in the open. That's what has really confused me. It's like, I understand it's Madrid, so it's not Copenhagen, but it's still Europe. He's still in very recognisable. She's hardly anonymous in Spain. Mm. She's been on three reality shows. Yeah. Like to walk together and to even go out to dinner together is quite a public thing. I hear you. I still think that going into the apartment, staying the night, having a suitcase, going in and out at separate times is too much of a red flag for me. Also, I think what I've learned doing Shameless and covering so many alleged and factual celebrity affairs is that when people are having an affair, they can make truly fucked up decisions that are so stupid. Like Dominic West, who was like openly married to his wife, gallivanting the streets of Rome. With Lily James. With Lily James. Like this has happened enough on this podcast now for me to say People lose their heads when they're having affairs. See, the reason I lean to an arrangement, right, is because of the public nature of their outings mm. and him not having to explain that to his partner. He knows that if they're out and spotted, it's all fine with Mary. The reason you're going into an apartment separately is so that you don't have to explain to the public, mm. that if you are ever papped, you don't have to explain it to the public. So that's what makes me fall on that side of the tracks. And you know what? If they have an arrangement... Good for them. Sounds like they're living it up. Yeah. <laughs> I hope Mary had fun in the in like New York. I mean, she was on, she was actually on a work trip to the UN, I think. But that, who's to say that's not fun? <laughs> Coming up after the break, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey are giving us big rom com energy. There's a widespread mourning for Harry Styles here, just not from me. And let's talk about Mean Girls 2.0. But first, a word from today's sponsor. Now it is time for the quick and dirty. As always, we bring you the top five stories from the rough land tumbler of the celebrity Yay. and pop culture news cycle. Michelle, 
Love's an affair, and uh, <laughs> not, personally. not personally. I also, for the record, love an open marriage. Macro, not micro. <laughs> what have you got for me? My first story. Taylor Swift updates karma lyrics in nod to Travis Kelsey. That is from Vanity Fair. Travis Kelsey had a week off playing footy this week and he used it to fly to Argentina and publicly pash Taylor Swift. I have to pause for a second. Please. we could. I could spend all episode on this. And make a note to maybe the five or six people that are going to message us after this episode and say, oh. no more Taylor Swift. What oh. are we meant to do? The woman is celebrating more than anyone celebrating oh, in a long time. This is a celebrity show. We've got to talk about what the people want. I love every listener. I really do. But if you're clicking into a celebrity podcast every week where we profess to talk to you about dumb stuff and you don't want to hear about Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey, you might be a little confused. And a little <laughs> I agree. Now that we've got that out of the way, Taylor, as our listeners will know, is back on the Errors Tour after taking a couple of months off. And her first show post-break was perhaps the most eventful yet. After bad weather cancelled her Friday show, she took the stage on Saturday night with both Travis Kelsey and her dad, Scott, watching on from the VIP tent, Mitch. Yes. Now, that tent might have just been filmed more than Taylor Swift herself up on stage. Yeah, completely agree. Fans really were just, like, looking at Travis, phones poised at the ready, capturing every single thing he did. So videos have gone viral on Twitter and on TikTok of him singing and dancing along to the music, him eating what appeared to be chips from a bag. <laughs> Yum. <laughs> Scott Swift, so Taylor's dad, filming him both with his flash on his iPhone as well as super zoomed in, which feels quite boomer. Oh, yeah, and always with the horizontal camera. Horizontal. <laughs> it's so dad-esque. I love it. We also had Travis's facial expressions and reactions upon hearing Taylor's lyric change in the song Karma. She, of course, changed the lyric, Karma is the guy on the screen coming straight home to me, to now Karma is the guy on the Chiefs coming straight home to me. We also had videos of Travis Kelty holding up a sign that read, we will stay. Now, this was held up when Taylor Swift sang the song The Archer. Swifty fans will know The Archer has the lyrics, who could ever leave me, darling, but who could stay? Travis had the sign saying, we will stay. Now, as much as I adore everything these two do, I could have done without this yeah, little bit. Could, could have taken or leaving this. Taken or leaving. Leaving. <laughs> I would have taken or leaving. <laughs> taken or leaving the we will stay. Like, I'm here for the cheesiness. This was maybe like 0.5 too cheesy. No, it was like 25% too cheesy. Now, of course, the biggest bit of awe was when the show was done, fans stay behind. They always do to watch her move backstage. She waved up to the crowds for a moment before running up to Travis, who was sort of waiting in the wings with his hands behind his back or with his hands in his pocket or kind of a bit of both. It was a bit like <laughs> moving around. And she kissed him in front of everyone. Yes, to feverish screams. And to me, looking on Instagram, when this came up, guys, I can't tell you. It was like a almost out-of-body experience. I felt so giddy and excited <laughs> watching this video for the first time. I sent it to you both and I felt like I got maybe tepid reactions back. Oh, I'm I sorry. think oh, because I think you missed the Slack combo. We we had <laughs> on the weekend and about an hour before you sent it. 
I feel like... That doesn't feel like me. I feel like I, I'm really on to the Taylor Swift stuff. I know. And so I was like, yeah, yeah, how good is it? But maybe you didn't get my first initial, I've just watched this thing. Yeah, that's fair. I, your responses did make me go, oh. oh I, I, I thought it was interesting. I mean... One viral tweet of the footage alongside Travis making Taylor a friendship bracelet back in July read, I need to go to the Travis Kelsey School of Manifestation. I mean, the first thing I thought when I saw this, and you know what's really annoying? And I do have this on in writing from the weekend, so it's fine. But it is annoying because Girl Boss Town actually made a video saying the same thing. Oh. I know. I was like, there's no way she's not going to be quickly engaged to this guy and publicly announce it on her tour. I agree. And part of me is like, I think it'll, it, it is going to be early next year. And I said to you, Mish, one of her first shows will be in Melbourne. That Friday night show, I'm pretty sure, will be the biggest show she's ever performed, we'll crowd-wise. Yep. We will be there. Mm-hmm. All three of us will be yeah. there. <laughs> Would she announce it then? I mean, and, it is- and I know I'm about to get to this. Travis Kelsey's football season will be done by then. Will it, though? Yes. The Super Bowl is around the time that she's performing in Tokyo, which is the week before the Melbourne shows. There is a world. Stop. Where the next... It's it's Sunday the 11th of February. Yes. By the Friday, (laughs) he could be in Melbourne. He could be in Melbourne, her biggest show ever, and they could announce her engagement. Because the Chiefs won the Super Bowl last year. They could win it again. He could be on a high and then fly straight to Melbourne announcing engagement. Their star power will know nothing like it. In fact, if they haven't planned this and they're listening, this is the plan. Take it from us. But also, like, I know some people would say, girlies, it's a little quick. This time last year, she was still with Joe Alwyn. This, earlier this year, she was with Maddie Healy. Like, this is all a very quick turnaround. Both of these two, Taylor and Travis, are 34 years old, right? They're in a place in their life where they can move quick. They know by now what they want. They clearly want each other. They're both clearly very similar when it comes to being super open, super public, super affectionate. They want the limelight. They and want I, the limelight. They're so in sync. They really, really want the limelight, whatever you think about that. And I think, to be honest, she's probably at a point in her life where she's like, I don't want to give the limelight up. And not many people will want to bask in it with her. I can imagine them like getting engaged and then him retiring and like changing his Instagram bio to like Taylor Swift's husband or something, you know, like yeah. Mr. Swift. I don't love yeah, that. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm not saying I want it. I can say I can see it. <laughs> I can't believe that we doubted this. Like I feel like because st- it was so public so soon. I think it did start as PR. Mm. And I still think there's a huge element of this that works for them because it's PR. Truly. But you think they're in love? Well, I think that they also are in the early stages of love because, like, they both wanted this PR relationship. It worked so well for them. They clearly kind of had similar interests with it and were like, this is maybe a thing. It is- I still stand by what we said then as much as I stand by what we're saying now. Yeah, fair. I did predict that they would break up within a couple of months and obviously I had to oh, come yeah. to the podcast a few weeks ago that's and fair. say that's officially not something I said anymore. <laughs> but I love this so much. I couldn't watch this video and not get excited about it. Taylor's camp is also doing the work in the media to tell everyone just how serious this is. Someone from her camp spoke to people anonymously and said, Travis is a gentleman. He's very focused on his career. He has a great relationship with his family. He has an amazing energy and approach to life. It all feels very special. Well, Gigi had did commented on a news article yesterday. I think mm. I don't know if you guys saw this, where someone tried to claim that she was, you know, not happy with the arrangement and concerned she, that things were moving too quick. She was like, quick. "We're over the moon for our gal." No, Mish, what I wanted to raise with you is a few. I reckon this was like two months ago. Now, you raised something with me which I found really fascinating about the star power of Taylor Swift for our generation compared to Princess Diana for our mothers. Yeah, well, I. 
I was with my mum and we were having a cup of tea and we were talking about the Eras tour. I actually think this was around the time of the year where we got tickets to Eras. And I was trying to work through it with my mum to figure out just how big Taylor Swift is culturally and what that means across history. Because Taylor Swift means more to me than any other celebrity, right? Like the way I feel about Taylor Swift is fanatical. And I know my mum back in the day felt fanatical about Princess Diana. So I was talking to her about this and I was like, I just want to get a grasp. Like, is Taylor Swift getting into Princess Diana territory? My mum shot me down, like (laughs) shot me down so hard, so fast. She insists that no, it's not even scratching the surface of what Diana was globally. But unfortunately for Vicky Andrews, I will call her wrong on this podcast now. I just can't help but think Taylor Swift is the biggest celebrity of our time. I think she is Gen Z and Millennials Princess Diana. That's not to say everyone loves her. Not everyone loved Princess Diana back in the day. But it is to say that if there was one celebrity where something was to happen to them, it would affect everyone and we'd all remember where we were and what was happening in our lives, it would be Taylor Swift. Easily. And I agree with you. It's like, I don't, I wouldn't consider myself fanatical about Taylor Swift. I'm obsessed with the brand of Taylor Swift. I also love her music, but I, I agree with you. I also asked my parents the same thing. I was like, so Princess Diana, you think was a bigger deal than Taylor Swift is now? And they were like, yeah, absolutely. You're an idiot for even asking the question. <laughs> and I also think they're wrong. I think older generations, and maybe this just makes me sound like a young, arrogant person, mm. actually aren't quite grasping the fanaticism for yeah. Taylor. Yeah. This is a woman who is selling hundreds and hundreds of thousands of tickets to adoring fans instantly. When has anyone else done that? When has there ever been a cultural movement like this for a pop star? Maybe it is my youth. Maybe I will be naive and people will come tell me that. I'm oh, sure. Oh, this is going to be another mea culpa. Another Roxy <laughs> in like 10 years. I just think Taylor Swift is our generation's Princess Diana. I think that's fair. Our second story, ruined. Devastation over Big Harry reveal. That is from news.com.au. All right. First of all, what a wonderful headline. In case you didn't know what that's about, Harry Styles got a haircut. <laughs> if you missed it, and I'm sure many of you didn't, Harry Styles was pictured with rumoured girlfriend Taylor Ross attending a U2 concert in Vegas at The Sphere. The Sphere. With a fully shaved head. So he sort of speared <laughs> he, himself, I guess. <laughs> oh, my That's God. Amazing. Two spheres in The Sphere yeah, that night. exactly right. Now, fans have a lot of opinions on this. I, as a Harry Styles fan, couldn't find it hotter. I think he looks incredibly good looking. You love Baldy. Others aren't enjoying it as much. Some are quite resistant to the change. One fan posted a TikTok video saying, it is the day the music died with the caption, I am literally having a mental breakdown right now. (laughs) That post has 30,000 likes. I mean, I saw another publication interview a psychologist about why it's normal to feel sad over the hair change. They sort of, you know, explained that Hair changes can signify a change in identity or a new phase in life and that can spark strong emotions. I've just got to be honest, it is just a haircut (laughs) in case anyone's missed it. I've also seen a conspiracy theory that this is so that he can get hair plugs or get a Mm. hair transplant. There are those videos. Remember those videos that went viral a year or two ago where he was brushing his hair back and it did look like he was perhaps donning a toupee? Oh, but I... You remember this. I'm pretty sure we talked about it on the show. I don't remember that. (laughs) Annabelle, you remember that. I remember that, yeah. And so people are saying he's shaved it and he's being discreet about it because maybe he's getting a hair transplant and he doesn't want people to know. So the next time he does tour... Two pay gate doesn't happen well, again. Well, the other thing that people are saying is maybe it's for a movie. 
That really feels like a movie. Really feels like a movie. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you can never know. <laughs> Our third story. Carly Kloss just bought ID Magazine. That is from The Cut. This is a bit random. Super well, random. Well, I thought it was random until I started reading into it, and it's actually not particularly random for Carly Kloss. Now, yes, she has officially acquired ID Magazine, which, of course, is a publication that covers fashion, music, youth culture, that was formerly owned by Vice Media. Some of our listeners may not know that Vice Media filed for bankruptcy earlier this year, so it's sort of been in a bit of a world of pain. Mm. So Carly's come in and swooped up ID. According to Women's Wear Daily, she will serve as CEO and sort of some of their key senior figures in editorial will stay on. When I said to you just then, I thought this was random until I did some reading. It turns out that in 2020, she actually led a group of investors to purchase W Magazine. And it was a bunch of celebrities, right? Or like a handful of celebrities were involved. Yeah. So as part of that group of investors, you had Kaya Gerber and Lewis Hamilton. Random. I mean, who knows what level of investment is there. But I was like, wow, Kylie Kloss is really coming in to try and save the magazines. Well, do you reckon she's trying to save them or is she just snapping them up for cheap and she's going to become like some kind of Rupert Murdoch Uh, but supermodel (laughs) version? I actually, (laughs) I could see it. I could (laughs) see her becoming this like wild media mogul (laughs) that just owns everything. Could you not? You could. I mean, I'd prefer her to Rupert, so I'll take anything at this stage. She's very close to the Kushners though. Yeah. I know. And I say this as someone who's always loved Kylie Kloss. Kylie Kloss used to be in my passport. Mm, not anymore. I think she sort of accidentally fell out for no reason <laughs> other than... Oh, out. Do we have any updates oh, to our past baskets while we're here? I think it's just more like other people slotted in. Okay. Suki Waterhouse is probably in mine at the moment. Suki oh, Waterhouse yeah. is a great one. Yeah, we think, will accept that admission. I, I think she's popped herself in there. She's coming to Melbourne as well soon. I know. In February. Oh, for Laneway. Laneway. She's here oh, for Laneway. Of should we go? Yeah. yeah well, <laughs> That's not going to happen. Should we get her on the show? <laughs> I would love to have her. Our fourth story. The new Mean Girls trailer is here. Why is it afraid to tell us this movie is a musical? That is from GQ. This is fascinating. So Mean Girls is, I guess, ostensibly getting a makeover. A trailer for the updated version, which will hit cinemas early next year, was released this week. And I don't know how I missed this. Yeah, you actually didn't really want to talk about this in the episode. Zara sent me a Slack message that was like, and why do we want to talk about the Mean Girls movie? What's the Mean Girls angle? (laughs) It's more like I, I kind of wasn't on my radar that it was getting remade. I don't know how much... You care? I don't know. Okay. All right. Well, let me tell you the details and we can all decide if we care well, I together. Know that I do know the details now for what it's worth, but yes, please keep going. <laughs> well, in the first 10 seconds of the movie's trailer, it wants to make one thing very, very clear. This isn't your mother's mean girls is flashed up in massive bold text across the screen. How do we feel about that? Well, this is so funny. So you brought this to my attention straight away and you're like, I just can't believe they're trying to sell it on this isn't your mother's mean girls. And I replied to you on Slack and was like, oh my God, what a PR power move Mm. because you're deliberately making people who loved this movie feel really old. And then they're going to tweet about it. They're going to tweet about about it. it. And it's sort of like one of those tongue in cheek things. I was like, that's an amazing PR move. And then you were like, hang on, actually, the maths does work. This came out 20 years ago. 20 years ago. I was 10. I was was 10 when Mean Girls came out. I thought they were pulling our leg. Turns out I am just old. (laughs) It's insane. Now, there's another thing about this trailer, which for the record, 
is like a carbon copy of the 2004 film. In fact, it shows that there are return performances from Tina Fey as Miss Norbury and Tim Meadows as Principal Duval. It even tells you that Lorne Michaels is returning as the producer. It really feels like a carbon copy, except for the fact that the trailer won't tell you that this is actually a musical. There is not a song featured, not a dance featured. It is just presented to you as Mean Girls 2.0 repackaged with a 2024 spin. Yeah, well, an Olivia Rodrigo song as the backing track. Yeah, like there's not even a musical song playing in the background. It's Olivia Rodrigo's Get Him Back. Why do you think that they have done this? Well, I think they've done this because there are people like me who will not go and see a musical movie. I agree with you. I care not for musicals. In fact, sorry to the musical lovers, Annabelle Lee to my (laughs) left. I know a lot of people love them. They're not always for me when it comes to movie form. I can go to the theatre and enjoy a musical, as we've found out this year with my recommendations. Yes. Movies? Nay. I actually find it quite cringe when anyone sings in a movie. I also think a trailer is better off actually with a point of reference, and I think that point of reference with Olivia Rodrigo Mm. is probably quite smart rather than a new song. But I agree with you. I think it's really interesting that they haven't sold it as a musical because I'm exactly the same as you. I don't know if I would rush to the cinemas to watch a musical movie, but I would probably... I don't know. I'm, I mean, firstly, when am I ever rushing to the cinema? <laughs> but secondly, I probably would eventually watch a Mean Girls remake movie. See, the funny thing is I wouldn't. Like, no, I, don't... I actually wouldn't. I just said this about Barbie last time yeah. and I just take it back. I don't know if I would. I don't think they're getting me on any level. They're not going to get me on the musical and they're not going to get me on the Mean Girls remake. Mean Girls was such... I know it's like there would be slightly problematic storylines and all that stuff because yeah, yeah. it's 20 years old. We know that. <laughs> da, 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 da. We need to. I've said the thing I need to say. <laughs> yeah. Don't get angry at Tick me. Tick that box. We can all move on together. Now, I think that is such a flawless movie in that it's still so iconic. People still use it for Halloween costumes, all that shit. It's too early for a remake. It's about 10 years too early because you're trying to remake something that's already pretty perfect. It's like when they tried to remake Gossip Girl and the Gossip Girl remake lasted, what, 10 episodes or something because you can't remake perfection. I'm I'm intrigued about who they're trying to get here. Like, is the audience us or is it not? Annabelle? It's me because (laughs) (laughs) I was looking at you and you're like leaning into the microphone. The whole time I was like, i got to interject because it is a remake and I agree with you on so many points there. Like, remakes sometimes are a bit like, "Uh, I don't need this but this is a remake of the broadway musical mean girls which is a version of the movie but it's kind of like for people like me who didn't get to see that on broadway i'm like oh i want to see what they do with this movie okay i just i don't know i'm excited for you that you're excited (laughs) but whenever i'm like i've had conversations with people being like but it's a it's a musical movie i'm like but it's the same like it's the same storyline right yeah but they've got really really amazing songs and like renee rapp played regina george in the broadway musical your faces are just like oh okay yeah so it's really exciting having her playing (laughs) (laughs) with us right now it's so exciting (laughs) chris briney from the summer i turned pretty I, I did know that. Is this the half-generational gap that we're speaking? Like, often we find that there's a three- or four-year generational gap that we miss the boat on something, Zara, that's actually targeting the Annabelle Lees of the world. Let's, I feel three or four years too old for this. This is a Your Say Friday job, let's see. Yeah. Our fifth story. Chris Appleton, 40, and Lucas Gage, 28, to divorce after just six months of marriage. Kim Kardashian's hairstylist and the White Lotus actor cite irreconcilable differences after wild Vegas wedding that is from the Daily Mail. Okay, so 
first things first, when everybody was referring to Lucas Gage as a White Lotus actor, do you know how long it took me to work out who he even played? Oh, I'm so glad you said that because I had to Google him and then I was looking at photos of him in White Lotus going... Who? And it was season one. It was season one. He was one one of the employees at the hotel. Yeah. I think to be calling anyone a White Lotus star, we need to be slightly more recognisable. That's just for Mm. me. I don't know if that's too harsh. Annabelle's looking at me shocked. (laughs) I watched the entire episode of The Kardashians last week, which showed viewers this wedding, and I didn't know he was a celebrity at all. It was like a stranger to me. Right. Apologies to Mr. Lucas. I mean, yeah, fair enough. He's actually already going through a hard enough time. He's going through a divorce. (laughs) Shall we tell the listeners about it? Yes. Well, as we said, Lucas Gage is best known for being in White Lotus. A lot of people are also saying he's a star in Euphoria. Annabelle, does that ring true, or is he just a side? Character. He is in it and he hangs out socially a lot with that Maud Apatow group. Oh, okay. So okay. I see him on my IG a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Groovy. Well, Chris Appleton has been on Kim Kardashian's beauty squad for years now. He is one of her main hairdressers. In the episode of The Kardashians that aired last week, viewers saw both men ask Kim to be their marriage celebrant. And the storyline of the episode saw her jet to Las Vegas with them both where they got married at the Little White Chapel. It also saw Kim organise a surprise serenading session from Shania Twain. Kim also in this episode really wanted these two to get a prenup, like really drove that point home that a prenup was essential. And she also double checked that they definitely wanted her to officiate given she's Zero from three when it comes to marriages. Yes. So this aired, what, this week and then the day after it aired, these two filed for divorce and announced it to the media. Yeah. So aired on Thursday. Next day, they had some kind of explosive fight and they officially separated. By Monday, divorce documents citing irreconcilable differences had been filed in Los Angeles. Hold on. When you say they had some explosive fight the day after... Are we sure they haven't just waited to file for divorce until after the episode's aired? I'm such an idiot. I was like, so stupid. No, no, you're not stupid. They probably fucking divorced in like May. Yes. Or separated in May. They've they've just waited to legally file it because if they legally filed it, it makes news. My question is how long were these two actually together? I'm a PR expert's dream. I just fall for (laughs) anything. No, you're right. Well, the funny thing about this is that they didn't get a prenup before they got married, they They got a postnup. So all the reportings are saying, oh, they've got a prenup, so da-da-da-da-da. Technically, they got a post-nup, and they signed that in May. Imagine if they went through the wedding in April, and then one of them turned around and went, actually, I'm going to need to like get yeah. some paperwork drawn up because I'm already thinking of a little divvy. I'm leaving. Yeah, I think that's divorce. probably exactly what's happened. Why else get a post-nup in May? Yeah. I don't know. How long? Well, maybe they were Maybe they were together for less than... In Kim's wedding. Kim and Kim's, Chris Humphreys. Kim's wedding. Kim, yeah, Kim and Chris. 72-day marriage. I'm betting that they probably were. Wow. Well, there you go. Just a quick little uh, relationship update on two people that very few listeners have heard about. <laughs> <laughs> and who have actually never made it onto the show before. Anyway, <laughs> that's all we've got for you. Big thank you, as always, to our audio producer... Me. Na- Nanabot. Nanabot. Nanabot Lee. I don't, I, I just want to go back to belly. No. I miss belly well, too. You can do I'm belly. confused too. Don't worry. I, I quite like where we've gone with it. Um, guys, thank you so much for supporting the show. You know what to do. Click follow on Spotify or Apple or anywhere you get your podcast. That helps other people find us. It does. Other than that, have a great week. Have a great one. And we'll be back in your ears soon. Uh, we will be back in your ears on Monday for part two about Justin Timberlake scandal. JT. Cool, a lot going on there. Bye.
Shameless Media. This podcast was recorded on Wurundjeri land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Hello guys, Mish here. I am the co-founder of Shameless Media. Thank you so much for giving us your ears and your mind and your time. We're so grateful. If you enjoy the stuff that we produce, may I recommend our brand new podcast, Style-ish. Stylish, if you want to say it quickly. Style-ish, if you want to take the long way through. It is our podcast for all things fashion, brand, business, and beauty. If that is in your wheelhouse, if you care about style content, you will love this show. It is, of course, more than just a show as well. It is a newsletter. It is an Instagram feed. It is a TikTok account. There is so much good stuff going out on Stylish every single day starting now. So in your favorite app, search for Style-ish. Give it a listen. Give it a follow. We are an independent media company and we would be so, so grateful for all your support. That's all for me, guys. Check out Stylish and have a good one.